A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep with Dr. Ishan Xu. Hi, welcome. This is Ishan. Have you ever had the experience that due to a lot of stress, either from work or life, that you end up worrying a lot at night and could not get to sleep easily? Have you ever thought about that actually tea may be able to help you? Some of you may say, "No way! Tea has caffeine. No way that's gonna help me keep my mind quiet at night." Our guest today, Mike Newton, will share with us how making tea and drinking tea help him deal with stress and have a different view of life. Hello, Mike. Welcome. Thanks, Yishan, for having me on the show. I read your story about. Your relationship and tea. So I'm very curious. I want to know more about your journey. How you get into the world of tea and drink tea? Sure. Well, I guess we should begin with the beginning, huh? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I lived in China for four years, and、uh, in Beijing, and I was introduced to tea there. I, I I'd had some experiences with green tea, and you know, a lot of like chrysanthemum tea or jasmine tea is commonly served at restaurants, even in China, not just here in the states, puar and things like that. But for whatever reason, it didn't quite. Even though I'd had the experience, it didn't quite reach me at that time. It wasn't until actually.、Um, I'd sort of left China, and、uh, my wife now, but girlfriend at the time, her father、uh, teaches Chinese. He's Japanese. My wife is Japanese. He teaches Chinese in Japan, so he has a lot of Chinese colleagues who, when they visit, will bring him gifts of tea. Well, he doesn't drink most of it, so he started passing it on to me.、Um, so I got、uh, a gift from him. Uh, this tea that's very famous in China—it's commonly known here as the Big Red Robe, Da Hong Pao, and it's a very famous oolong tea. And he sent me some. Oh, great tea! I,、uh, yes, it's a wonderful tea when you、uh-huh. get the real stuff, right? Yes.、Um, and、uh, so he sent me some, and I remember I, I brewed it up, and I was afraid it would be bitter at first. So I put some honey in it, and、uh, which now like actually just gives me shivers. But back then I didn't know any better, right? <laughs>、mm-hmm. And、uh, and one day I was like, well, what does this what does this stuff taste like if I don't put anything in it? And at that time I was brewing in your sort of standard like boil the water, put the leaves in. I had one of those little metal infuser baskets for a couple minutes and nothing fancy just yet. And I remember I tasted it and it was like blueberries and it was like chocolate and and like sort of thick dark honey. And I was just there's no way that all these flavors are coming out of just sort of like. Dry leaves in hot water, you know, it blew my mind. Wow! And、uh, and that was my first sort of moment where I felt like I experienced true tea.、Uh, but even then, that wasn't sort of the breakpoint for me getting into tea like I am now.、Um, what wound up happening is I started going online and researching、uh, other ways to experience tea, other types of tea, and I found the R slash Tea community on Reddit. And、uh, there's a tea community online. On Reddit, yes, wow, it's quite large actually. Reddit.com/r/tea.、Um, 
it's a great resource, especially for beginners or folks who are looking to connect with other people who are interested in tea of all types, not just sort of like premium or aficionado types. And, um, and I, I started seeing these pictures of people using these porcelain, these lidded porcelain cups, you know, called Gaiwan. And I'd yes. never seen it. I'd never heard of it. And I started researching it and I learned about the world of Gong Fu Cha. And it, it completely just like, much like that first experience with the Da Hong Pao, really brought me into the world of tea. Seeing Gong Fu Cha for the first time like it was like the second explosion. And so I immediately went online and I bought my own Gaiwan and I got some tea from the internet. I had no idea what I was buying or what I would like. I just grabbed a sort of different selection of stuff. And, uh, and that was like the real tipping point that got me um, deep into tea. Yeah, this is very interesting um, because I can understand when you try Da Hong Pao, which is a very famous Chinese tea, uh, the first time without any honey or any other supplements, you start really tasting the uh, flavor out of the tea itself. You understand right. tea in that way, right? It's a very yeah. close moment. You really get to uh, know the true flavor from those tea. But for the uh, Gong Fu Cha, Gong Fu Tea, so what, how, how that is um, different? How that becomes the second moment make you so into it? Yeah, so I think what blew my mind about that is up until that point, you know, sort of brewing it in the Western style, um, I might get one or two, I might make one or two cups. Um, you know, you're drinking in, in high volumes, uh, you know, a cup at a time is 400 milliliters or whatever. And, and so you're drinking maybe close to a liter of tea if you have a couple mugs. And, uh, and I'm sort of a caffeine sensitive person, so I couldn't have a lot of it. And then I realized like, oh, this is a way for, like there's two things about it that really grabbed me. The first is I'm missing out. It turns out that high quality loose leaf tea like is an experience, you know, and the Gong Fu method of brewing is designed to take you on a journey with the tea so that you get to experience how it grows and changes and evolves over a series of multiple infusions. And, and so first I was like, oh my gosh, I'm missing out. I'm not experiencing everything that this tea has to offer. And then the second thing was like I can drink relatively a similar amount of tea, but I get to have a fundamentally different experience doing it in a different way. And, um, and so that was sort of like led me to want to try it. But then the thing that really got me hooked, and, and I think that this feeds in a little bit to the subject of sort of like sleep and mood, and we can get into this a little bit later. The thing I didn't expect is how much of a sort of meditative or mindful or peaceful experience like Gong Fu style tea is. It's really a practice of cultivation of the self. And, uh, and that was something that I was not expecting and I was not prepared for. And I sort of experienced or encountered as a result of getting into it uh, for these previous two other reasons I just explained. Yeah, when you describe that, that sounds very zen, actually. And you remind me of a very old Chinese saying, you find your life in tea. And sounds yeah, like that's, that's true. Yeah, that's the, you are getting that too. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I don't um, particularly subscribe to sort of the more spiritual sort of aspects of the world of tea, like actual Zen Buddhist philosophy and things like that. But I'm definitely experiencing it. You could say even consuming it um, 
in sort of a secular way. And, uh, and I have realized, and I'd love to, to get into this more now or later if it's interesting, that, yeah, tea really is a lifetime. It's a lifelong experience. It's, it's a path of living and cultivating yourself and experiencing the world around you that like it's, and it's so weird. Cause like I said, I lived in China for four years and so this stuff was sort of there. Um, but I, I couldn't see it. I guess I wasn't ready for it, but now here I am here living in the States. Thankfully the Bay is a, is a good place to sort of get access to some of this stuff. Um, and it's really, it's fundamentally shifted the way that I sort of think about myself and the world. Yes, sounds like quite a journey. It's interesting. Sometimes when we live in the mountain, we don't see the mountain, right? So when yes. you lived in China, you did not really feel how important or how meaningful, how that really can bring you. But when you come back, especially in Bay Area, and yeah, you start experiencing that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, some of, I think the, the more of the Southern area of China where tea is perhaps more common, um, folks from that area would say they're probably not surprised I didn't encounter tea, proper tea in Beijing because Northerners don't really know tea the way the Southerners do, but I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, I actually visited a tea farm in Hangzhou before okay. it was beautiful. Yeah. They're gorgeous. I've never, I have yet to go to one, but I, I will go to one very soon. I think within the next year, year and a half. Oh, great. Yeah, you try Hangzhou because I think Dragon Well tea come from there. Oh, yeah, it's famous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Great. So uh, you mentioned you're actually quite sensitive to caffeine. That's uh, right. Yeah, so that, does that mean you're sensitive to tea also, that you have to have a cut-off time for tea like many other people to coffee in order to sleep? So, yes and no. Uh, I originally... Um, restricted myself to only consuming caffeine in the morning for precisely that reason. I thought, well, I'll use it, you know, have some in the beginning of the day and, um, and then that'll be it because since I am sensitive, I don't, I don't want to impact my sleep by having tea or caffeine too late in the day. Um, but as I experience tea more and more, and as I more importantly experience different types of tea, I found that the way the nature of tea um, and caffeine in tea and sort of the chemical composition of tea, it's actually fundamentally different from other caffeinated substances like coffee or soda or energy drinks or even like things like yerba mate, which is sort of a quote unquote tea. Um, and now like I have a, a friend that I have tea with on a semi-regular basis and we don't start drinking until 8.30 at night. Um, but we're very careful about the type of tea that we drink because it's at night. So, um, so there's a, a few things that I've learned in terms of the way that tea, different types of tea interact with my body. How does it make me feel? What type of energy does it give me? And we can get into this concept of cha chi, you know, this tea energy. Oh, chi. Mm. Yes. And, um, and uh, so I'm very careful about if I'm having tea later in the day or even in the evening, what types of tea I allow myself to consume. I generally stick to ripe puar, you know, shu puar. Right. And, um, and in fact, there are certain types of shu puar that will put me to sleep. Wow. Which really surprised me. Mm. Yeah, I do have puar in my office. And I know among a lot of Chinese tea, especially, puar possibly contains the least amount of uh, caffeine. Do you feel that way too? 
So I'm not sure if it has, I haven't like looked into much of the research on like caffeine content is such a hard thing to measure uh, in, in tea and um, just because of like all the, like the chemical composition of tea is very complicated. So it's hard to sort of understand how much caffeine there is in any given type of tea. But my sort of, the way it makes me feel, my own personal subjective experience with Pu'ar um, is that ripe Pu'ar is the best tea if I want, even if it's like I'm not worried about impacting my sleep necessarily, but I just want something that's a bit more mellow. Whereas Shang Pu'ar, you know, the, the raw Pu'ar, like even, even if, if it's been aged for a substantial amount of time, just has a, a fundamental, fundamentally different way that it affects my body. Oh, so sounds like you really need to understand your body and experience different type of tea and what kind of tea, how they interact with your body differently. Yes, yes. I think that, that this is where some of the mindfulness and the self-awareness of consumption comes into play. Much like, you know, when you eat certain types of foods, they will make you, they will have a certain effect on the way that you feel. And the beverages you can you consume are no different. And so, um, for example, I really love matcha, you know, Japanese powdered green tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I pretty much only let myself have matcha in the mornings um, because it is such a powerful source of energy that if I have it too late in the afternoon, then it will impact my sleep. Um, same thing with some white teas. Some white teas can make me feel incredibly wired. Um, but then there are other white teas that sort of just give me like this kind of bright clarity type feeling. So I really, now, and this has taken me a lot of experience. I've been drinking tea almost daily for close to three years now. And, um, and so I've, I've consumed a lot of tea. I've had a lot of time to think about and see sort of using multiple data points over a large sample size, which teas generally make me feel in what way. But you have to sort of reflect on that and think about like, now I've just consumed something. How do I feel as a result of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really really, uh, dive into it, be so aware of what's happening inside of your body when you uh, drink something in. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, we commonly say here in America, you are what you eat. Well, you also are what you drink. I think you just are what you consume, uh, whether it's food or water or other substances, um, alcohol, drugs, like whether it's pharmaceuticals or recreational drugs, like anything you put in your body is going to have an effect on you. And so like trying to build that level of awareness and mindfulness where you reflect on how does, how is this thing that I'm doing making me feel is not something that I had even a few years ago. Maybe it comes with age a little bit. Uh, I'm just sort of more aware of what I'm putting in my body. And when you're 19, 20 years old, you're bulletproof. So you just, you know, you can slam down McDonald's and have Coke and whatever and sleep four hours and you feel fine the next day. But at 33, I'm just not that, not that tough anymore. Exactly. Uh, I totally understand that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Same so yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. some of it comes with age, you know, I don't know. We all get more and more mature as more uh, life experience come on and we start thinking about life differently. I really like the concept you are talking about. It's very similar to how we think about sleep, actually. Sleep is a very individual thing. We really Mm -hmm. need to listen to our body, to our body clock, what's the best time for us to feel energy, to feel sleepy, and then adjust our 
you know, sleep-related behavior. And um, similarly, when we drink tea, what we put in our body, what make us more have more energy, what make us more tired, what keep us awake at night, all those awareness are the foundation. And then we build upon that our life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's so my, my journey through sleep has been an interesting one. Um, I've sort of come to realize through like very simple experimentation, it's nothing complicated, um, but just sort of paying attention to like, when do I naturally start to feel sleepy? Um, when do I naturally like to wake up? If I sort of like, if you go on vacation and you have no obligations, maybe it's a holiday or something like that, and you're following sort of a normal rhythm without any other impact on your time, how do you like to behave? And I just sort of realized over time that I like to go to sleep somewhere between midnight and one. And I usually need anywhere from seven and a half to eight and a half hours of sleep. If I get less than seven, it's, it starts to impact my sort of cognitive function and, and my sort of feelings of tiredness and stuff like that. If I get less than six, then I'm seriously like hindered and, and impacted the next day. Um, and, um, and so that's just been a process that I've discovered as I sort of monitor myself over time. And, um, and it's got to the point where like, I actually don't use an alarm clock because I know through monitoring myself and observing my natural behavior that if I go to bed at a certain time, I will wake up roughly at this time and my natural body rhythm will just take over and I don't have to be concerned about setting an alarm because it just happens by itself. That's great. That's that's not easy. So you are really listening to your body o'clock and adjust your sleep time to a certain window and then your body naturally just going to wake up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and it's and it's definitely not something that I sort of like did intentionally. It was something that was happening naturally and I just took the time to sort of think about what's happening and just observe my body in its own natural behavior. Okay, just clarify. So you used alarm clock before, but after you become more aware, your body, after you're adjusting your body, you don't need alarm clock anymore? Yeah, you know, I've definitely used an alarm clock before, and I still do. If, if there's something I know I, I need to be reliably awake um, at a certain time, of course, I'll still use an alarm clock. Um, but uh, yeah, I generally have just sort of found that, like, for example, if I go to bed at 11 o'clock, I'll probably be up around seven. Uh, if I go to bed at one, I'll probably be up around 8.30 or nine. And um, unless, you know, obviously stress, anxiety, various like lifestyle and environmental factors will impact that. Um, so like, I think last night I probably got in bed around 12.30 and fell asleep somewhere close to one. And I woke up at 7.30 this morning, but I noticed when I woke up that my mood was a little bit anxious. I've got some things on my mind, some work stuff that I'm thinking about. And so the first thought I had is, oh, I don't think I did, um, like maybe I can try to get a little bit better about my sleep routine, signaling to my body that it's time to go to sleep. Because if I try to go to sleep with all the stuff on my brain, then I'll wake up feeling tired. Even if I slept seven, seven and a half hours, I might feel exhausted because mentally I'm still worn out. Yes, exactly. Um, that's such a good example of how mentally, uh, how worries at night keep us awake or uh, impact our sleep quality. Yeah, that's a big thing. I, I, I never really struggled with stress and anxiety 
like I have after coming to San Francisco and working in sort of the, the fast paced world of technology. Um, and that was my first real experience with the type of serious life altering stress um, that actually caused me like gave me some health problems and, and things like that. Um, so this is all very recent stuff within the last three, four years that I'm discovering and learning this about my body. Yes, you're learning about your body um, in all these different ways. When you talk about stress, that reminds me what you talked about earlier about the tea. I want to ask you more about that. You mentioned tea is a path of cultivating and living your life. And so uh, when you are, and it sounds like the stress level got higher over the past three or four years, and you get into tea over the past three years-ish. That's right. Tea was definitely, as I was having my early experiences and sort of noticing the positive results early on, um, I started to realize that like, I can use tea as a way to get out of my head and into my body and create space in my life where I'm just sitting and spending time either by myself or with my wife or with a friend or some friends or something like that. Um, and in that sense, like tea became a very meditative experience because, you know, especially if you work, if you're a knowledge worker, information worker type thing, you're using your brain all the time. You're sitting in front of the computer, staring at a screen. And so your brain is just always on. And tea became very attractive to me as a physical process of engaging the body. And when your body is engaged in something physical, it's not impossible, but it's difficult for the mind to wander away from what you're doing. Um, now, there's, there's something to be said about sort of when ritual becomes routine, but we can get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, early on, like Gong Fu tea and much later, um, Japanese tea ceremony became something that I sought after as a way to counteract and sort of balance the mental drain that my professional lifestyle has. And so I've used tea as a way to like turn that stuff off and get myself into a place where even if it's just 15 minutes, uh, I'm sitting with myself with no distractions. I have to hide the phone because if I can see it, I'll probably grab it. Um, and, and really just like spending some time with myself in my own body and having some tea. Sounds like a very present moment right there, right now, not live in the past, not live in the future. That's the goal. That's the goal. But I, I'd be lying if I said that it's easy to achieve that. There's, I think, as many times as I, as I sit down with the intent to do that, um, I oftentimes don't reach the level that I'm aspiring to. But that's the wonderful thing about tea as a lifestyle or tea as a method of self-development because like, okay, I made tea today. I'll try again tomorrow. And, and that's the wonderful thing about it is it's very forgiving. It's so deep. It's actually bottomless um, because, and it's very forgiving. So today I showed up and tea didn't go quite the way that I was hoping that it would. Well, good news is I get to try again tomorrow. And, and either way, I had some tea, which was pretty awesome. And so, you know, there's this idea in, in Japanese Zen of Ichigo Ichie, which is like one moment, one place, one time. It will never be repeated again. And so I'm sitting here 
And there's no pressure. There's no pressure for me to make it something special. It's already special just inherently by, by its own nature. It's already special. So I, I don't have to worry about those kinds of things. If it didn't go well today or if I didn't quite reach the level that I wanted it to, I can just try again tomorrow because there's something special about tomorrow too. I really like that mindset you just described. That really, no matter what's happening in life, enjoy the current moment, find something to appreciate from current moment, and still have、uh, be positive, be optimistic about the next moment. Yeah, I mean, it's the a, a quote that I love. It's kind of cheesy. I love Kung Fu Panda. Okay, you know the, the <laughs> yes, I love that movie, and.、Um, In that movie, Master Wu Guei says to Po,、um, "Yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift." And、uh, and that's something that like I try to keep that in mind as I think about like there's really no value in hanging on to the things that happened yesterday or worrying about the things that are going to happen tomorrow, because all we can do is just like be where we are. That's great, yeah. You know, I've been drinking tea my whole life. I never thought about my relationship with tea, what tea has brought me. I just carried on as a family tradition from my parents.、Mm -hmm. It just become part of my life. Whenever I'm at home,、um, go out, I always naturally just ask for hot tea. Different、mm -hmm. type of tea. I do know which flavor I like better than others. Like I, I like ginger may more、mm -hmm. than many other tea,、mm -hmm. um, and certain type of pour. And even my my clinic right now, I have so many teas, different type of teas for all my clients when they come、mm -hmm. in for other therapists working together.、Mm -hmm. But this way of looking at. Life and uh, uh, have this kind of moment for for you, just between you and the tea. It's so special. It's really it, inspiring. It really is. I, I think that like so. My wife is the same way. You know, she grew up in Japan. She's from outside of Tokyo, and tea was just a thing that was around. And you would have some of it after dinner. You could get it bottled from the convenience store, and and the sort of. Context: the culture of tea is、uh, is very far removed from that, and that's nobody's fault. It's just the sort of what has happened as tea has become this commodity product. But as I think that I have a an unfair advantage coming into it as an outsider, as a as a sort of foreigner, as much as I like. Well, I want to avoid the negative connotations of that word,、um, but like someone who has no. Attachment or ties to it, so I get to come into it from the outside and look at tea as in its entirety, and I get and I get to sort of see everything about it that maybe, like you said, you're living, in, you're not seeing the forest for the trees. You're you're living in the mountain, but you don't see the mountain. So when you grow up around it, it must be difficult to find a way to arrive at the same conclusions that I've arrived at, unless you have someone. Who shows it to you, or、um, you know, gives you the opportunity to see that? And so I'm, I'm not, you know, that all that is to say that I'm not terribly surprised, and I think that I'm lucky in the sense that I get to adopt this as a culture. And the lovely thing about tea is that it's, it's very inclusive, so nobody's sort of accusing me of cultural appropriation here. Fortunately,、um, so I get to adopt it 
and, and become a part of it as someone who doesn't come out of it, you know? Yes. I think after our conversation, I'm going to rethink about my relationship with tea and how that can be such a um, meditating moment, not just um, purely just a taste or, oh, it's peaceful or just a habit. It's, it could be something more and or anything in life, not only tea. All of us possibly can find something in life and go deeper and enjoy the moment and think about, start from some point to think about our life in a different way. Yeah, I agree. I, th I think if nothing else, even if you, you, know, you don't wind up sort of becoming obsessed with it in the way that I have, the simple act of reflecting on it is valuable because anytime we stop to consider the relationship that we have with the things that are around us, I think it's a, it's a, a valuable exercise, right? Just taking a moment to stop and reflect on what we're doing and the relationship that we have to some of these things in our lives, that by itself is a very healthy and valuable thing to do. When I teach people mindfulness, we have this eating meditation exercise. Mm. And for you, I think through tea, you are being more mindful. You are um, getting a lot of valuable concept of, of this mindfulness, uh, being present, being at the present moment. That's really wonderful to hear you share all this, all your journey and your passion about tea. Well, I hope other people can find it valuable in the way that I have. And, uh, and I have to admit that it is very difficult to try to embody the spirit of tea and the mindfulness that comes out of tea in every aspect of, of my life. I've tried and it's, it is a struggle. Um, you know, I, I read this book that I love and I highly recommend. It's called The Practicing Mind. I forget the name of the author, but the book name is The Practicing Mind. It's very short. Um, it's written by someone who has a lot of previous experience with, you know, Buddhist uh, religion and, and philosophy and things like that. And um, he just talks about training the mind, which is a part of you know, mindfulness and sort of Buddhist practice, um, but not in, in a sort of religious or spiritual way, just training the mind in a way that we are able to become more aware. And he talks about um, his career as a professional piano tuner. And he talks about, I'll give one example from the book. I don't want to give it all away because it's something everybody should experience for themselves, but how he took one day of work of tuning. He had three or four piano tunings to do, and he thought, there's no way I can get all this done in a day. Everybody needs their piano tuned now, you know, it's that kind of thing. And, um, and he thought, there's just no way that I can get all this done in one day. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to try to take my time, be aware of what I'm doing in each moment as I do it, and try to spend the whole day in this way. And he talks about that experience, and he had some very important realizations and sort of revelations through this experience. And so I think that's like, the goal. That's what I aspire to, is to be able to take the same level of awareness and presence of mind that I have when I'm sitting at the tea table and bring that into all aspects of my life. But that's been very difficult. I've practiced it with eating. I'm curious to hear more about this eating sort of meditation thing that you have, because I've tried to practice it with eating. And um, gosh, it's so easy to just forget that we have something in our mouth and just like shovel it in there and swallow it and then you move on to the next thing you know exactly and then we don't taste the flavor right exactly yeah yeah a lot of time we are in this uh, autopilot zone and mm -hmm. we drive through we eat things we do things without really knowing what's what we just experienced 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's very true. And um so it's 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 been a challenge, but I've enjoyed it. I am enjoying it. And um it, it's fun to try to take it take these concepts that I've learned from T and apply it to other areas where I don't have the passion that drives the effort in some of these other places. Um, so I'm not, uh, you know, I, I love food. Who doesn't love food? Um, but I'm not, for example, a big foodie. I'm not someone who uses food as a reward. Uh, my wife is someone who uses food as like a reward mechanism. And um, so since I don't have this natural interest or this sort of propensity or this curiosity that comes out of the thing that I'm doing to drive my interest in it, it becomes much easier for me to forget that uh, I should pay attention to what I'm doing and, and how I'm experiencing it. Um, the nice thing about tea is it is such a cornucopia of sensory experience. You have um, visual aesthetic beauty from your selection of the teaware, looking at the tea leaves, like appreciating the look of pouring water as you're moving water from kettle to teapot and, and teapot to glass. And so there's a lot of very visually beautiful things. There's aromas, there's smells, you know, aroma coming off the leaf. You get to smell it dry. You smell it in the cup. There's sound, there's clinking, you know, gurgling of water, bubbling of water and, and uh, porcelain teaware or clay teaware sort of hitting each other and, and ringing out in, the, in that way. And so it's like, it's like, a, like a sensory, a sonic delight. Uh, and so it makes it very easy to pay attention to. Uh, but it becomes harder when you're in another space that doesn't have all these stimuli to hold your attention. Thank you so much for sharing. If the audience want to find you, uh, how do they find more information about you? Sure. So I have a blog uh, at theteeletter.com. That's T-H-E-T-E-A-L-E-T-T-R.com. I'm on Instagram under the same name, at the tea letter, and I've just started a YouTube channel as well. Um, so I think if you just search the tea letter on YouTube, you can find me there. And uh, so that's where, I, where I'm primarily, primarily functioning. I post articles on there. I have an email list you can join. I do a lot of photos and things on Instagram. And, uh, and I'm excited about the YouTube thing because I've always wanted to explore like the visual format. Yeah. Wow. That's very exciting. I want to definitely, I will check out your YouTube video to uh, understand more what you are experiencing. This is great. Yeah. Well, thanks for for inviting me on the show. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, I'm very happy to uh, have had the chance to come on here and talk about this stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad you come here to talk about all this and uh, um, I'm sure audience can like feel benefit from it. Thank you. Great. Thanks a lot, Yishan. I have drink tea my whole life, but I never thought about tea in such a mindful way. Just like Mike said, we are what we eat and we are what we drink. Be mindful with what we are doing to our body and listen to our body signals. Take a moment. Just be with our body right here, right now. If you want to find more about our speaker, Mike Newton, please go to my website, the show note at steepintosleep.co slash episode slash 007. And his blog website is the tletter.com. His Instagram and YouTube channel link are all on the show note. Welcome any comments or questions. I read every single comment. Thank you for today's journey together. I will see you next week. 
Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co forward slash insomnia.